and welcome to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I'm your host, Luna Gaia, and here, as always, we talk about all things self-love, body positivity, body shame, how to reconnect with yourself and stop hating who you are and what you look like and live a life full of freedom and love. That is what we do here. I am thrilled to invite today's guest. Her name is Lacey Jade Christie. She is a fiery Melbourne-based body positivity influencer and fashion and beauty fanatic. She's a professional opinion haver, which I honestly think is the best opinion and best profession to have in the world. She's a writer and content creator. She writes across topics including fashion, beauty, wellness, and her many opinions. Lacey specializes in real, raw, and honest fashion and beauty reviews, as well as tutorials for all skill levels. Lacey is always looking for the hottest products and trends. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok, where she boasts over 40,000 followers across the thing. It's amazing. She has 15,000 fans on Insta. Over 32,000 bands on TikTok. She is a powerhouse in the body positivity movement. So please welcome to the podcast today. We call her Lacey. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok at Lacey Jade Christie. I'll pop all the details into the podcast bio. Please welcome Lacey. Um, you've set me up for failure with that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know all the most interesting things about me. Well, we have to own our amazingness, don't we? I think that you're incredible. I've I've followed you on on Insta Instagram for for a while now, and as soon as I found you, I thought, "Who is this queen? She's amazing!" So you deserve every single one of those accolades, if not more, my friend. You're so welcome. It is a pleasure to have you here. So you know, here throughout this conversation. I feel like for the sake of my listeners, for the sake of my audience, for the sake of your audience, for the sake of anyone who hasn't met us here before, this podcast and this conversation is really going to be about your journey, about how you've come to a place of loving yourself and loving your body. And we're just going to let it flow, some free flow of, of what, you know, how we came to this. So I would love to know, how, how did you get here? How did you get to a place where you are now a body positive influencer. What's the self-love journey been like for you? Tumultuous, I think, is a good word to start with. Um, I spent most of my, I, I think I'll put a trigger warning at the start of all of this and say that I have a long-standing history with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do talk about that openly on my platforms because mental health is something that we don't talk about enough. Um, but all through my 20s and my early and my late teens, I um, I struggled with bulimia and a variety of other mental health issues. And um, so that's really where my journey started because I spent most of my 20s trying to change my body and yes. the way it looked and change the way society perceived me. Um, and I got to the age of 28. I had a complete mental and life breakdown. I cancelled a wedding, I quit my job, I left the country um, and it was through, uh, like I, I left everything. I finished, I finished my masters and I was in a job that was really unsupportive and I realised that I wasn't very happy in my relationship either and so I just, I left it all behind and went travelling for a year and I think that I can really pinpoint that as that moment in my life where I started to become, it will really explore, <clears throat> really explore who I am. Um, and there's something about traveling that gives you this freedom to be able to experiment and express yourself in ways that you wouldn't normally because you're never going to see those people again. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so I found myself yeah. doing things like wearing a crop top for the first time, and I was so nervous. Um, but you're in Europe, and nobody cares. Yeah, they really <laughs> Absolutely don't. Absolutely nobody cares. Um, so, like, I got to experiment experiment with all of these liberating ideas and concepts. Um, and then I came back to Australia and just brought them with me because I was like, you know what, stop it. And I discovered the body positivity movement and the social movement when I lived in the UK. And then when I got back, I discovered all these people in Australia that were doing um, body positive, doing body positivity. Yep, yep. Um, and I decided to keep, to keep that going. So I started my own podcast, which I don't do anymore. Um, but I also started my social media platforms because I wanted to be able to not only communicate and connect with other people who were doing stuff like me, but I wanted to be able to help inspire other people to start that journey. Because once I started the journey, I was like, where has this been my whole life? I've been making my miser- myself miserable for 30 years. And I really didn't need to. So that's my goal in life now is to help other people find that life. It sounds like a cult, but it's like a good type of cult. (laughs) I completely agree. I mean, I I feel like so often for myself, you know, talking to my higher power and I would say something along the lines of, please help me share, share the message, right? And the language that sometimes I use, it does feel a bit culty, but it is, it's like, I don't actually want you to believe in my opinion. I want you to find it for yourself. And I feel like that's your message as well. Like look inside you, find your own light, find your own truth, whatever that looks like, whatever that is for you, finding your own truth. That's, that's what I'm all about. And I love, (laughs) it's ridiculous how similar our journeys are, Lacey. Ridiculous. I spoke to you about this before, before we are connected because me too, I spent my twenties in bulimia same kind of vibe me you know desperately wanting to lose weight I I shared a a video on my TikTok the other day that was I spent my whole 20s thinking the only two things that I needed to do in my life was to lose weight and find a man to love me and that was my whole mission irrelevant of the fact that I'm bi irrelevant of that the man was the thing that I needed and and I needed to be skinny in order to keep said man or get said man do you have, uh, what was your experience like with that level of conditioning and programming that we have in society? I think it's a very societally enforced ideal, right? That first of all, that we as women in particular um, and cisgendered women, that we need a partner in our life and children and that 2.5 white picket fence ideal to make our lives worth living. Yeah. Um, and that we also need to look a certain way to be able to be happy. And <clears throat> I, I have, I had that experience. I came into my early twenties thinking that I was, I needed children, and that I wanted to get married and buy the house and do those things. And um, then I came out, and but that that ideal still didn't change. You know, like it was still expected that I would live a heteronormative lifestyle and have the kids and get married and I did meet someone that I was going to marry and we did almost buy a house in the suburbs um but it was like when you're in your early 20s I don't know about you but I set this like goal of my life where I was like when I'm about 28 I'm gonna start thinking about having kids and you know I want to have finished my master's and be successful in my job and I really had this tick list this life where I was like I have to complete this and I want to do that um, and that's what I did for my whole 20s. I put my blinders on and I just worked down my list. Um, and 
as like as much as I am grateful for the experiences that I had, I got to the age of 28 and I was engaged and I was about to buy a house and I I was seeing a psychologist for social anxiety at the time and I I still see my that psychologist I love her and I remember going to her the day we were meant to sign the papers to build our house in the suburbs and I was a mess I was an anxious mess so like the appointment was at like what nine ten o'clock in the morning and I was like why am I like this I'm not sleeping I'm not eating I can't do this and she was like do you think maybe you're making the wrong choice do you think maybe this is not something that you want to do? And I was like, I thought I was nervous, but I wasn't nervous. I was like in having this inter- inner turmoil about the direction that my life was taking. And so my fiance at the time was really great. I went home and I chatted to her and I was like, I just don't think that this is something that I should be doing right now. I understand that it's your journey, but it's not mine. Um, so we decided not to buy the house. And then maybe like three months later, I had the epiphany, my my fiance's niece was born and we went to the hospital to see her. I was sitting in the hospital and everyone was gushing over this baby and like sniffing her head and taking her in. And I thought she was cute, but I'm much more into toddlers. I like them when they get a personality, but there was nothing, I noticed, but there was nothing inside me that was like, oh my God, I need this in my life. This is amazing. Um, and I'm not anti-babies, but I had that realization in that hospital room that that was just not something that I ever wanted to experience myself. Like, there's not a part of me that wants to have a child. There's not a part of me that wants to raise one. I love being involved. I have nibblings, like gender-neutral term for nieces and nephews, and I love them, but I don't want that either. Um, and my my fiancé at the time, she did. Like, that was her mission in life was to be a mom, to move to the suburbs and to live that heteronormative um, ideal and so I ended it all because I was like you know what none of this is for me and now I live in the uh, in the birds I live in Brunswick in the northern suburbs with all the rest of the lesbians with no children um, <laughs> my life and her life look completely different I have seen some of her social media stuff and she has a child and a wife and like is doing that whole thing it's my worst nightmare yeah but you know we're, we're raised to, to think that, that that should be the goal. And I'm really grateful now that uh, women of like my age and younger are realizing that that does not, that those things aren't what signify a successful lifestyle. Like, you, yeah. know, you can get to the end of your life and not have ticked those boxes and it's still okay. I, I so love what you're saying. I mean, first and foremost, shout out to everybody in therapy. Whatever therapy we're going to, be that a psychologist, be that a shaman, be that plant medicine, be that a coach. I don't care who you're working through your trauma with. Shout out to everybody working through their trauma. Because I say everyone needs to see a therapist, like depending on what kind of person that is to you. But and if you don't think that you need to see a therapist, and you need to see a therapist for Correct. Exactly. Everybody has their shit. No one got out of childhood untraumatized. That's just the reality. And and we all have these these ideas and perceptions that need to be unraveled and we need to work through our staff. What I love about what you've shared there is that you know, either way it doesn't matter, right? If you if you want kids, if you don't want kids, if you want if you want the heteronormative lifestyle, um what I'm getting you saying, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, that that this it, it 
everything's okay. If you want to go do that path, do it. But what you're really noticing for you, and it's something that I experienced for myself in my life as well, around, hang on a second, what am I buying into? You know, I went through a process in my 20s where I, where I cut down on like, what these beliefs, this norm, these tick boxes, are they mine? Are they the tick box that I want? Are they society's tick boxes? You know, and for you, you, you were ticking those boxes because that was the prescribed, you know, the book that was given to you. Here you go, Lacey. Here's the book of what, how you're meant to be successful and go ahead and tick them. And what I often find with my clients is that people end up turning around in their 50s and 60s and go, oh, I really actually probably didn't want to do that, but I did because I was following the norm. So I... I applaud you so much for having the courage because that's what it takes. It takes courage to say, pause, like the day of, like you're on D-Day and you're about to buy that house and what an amazing therapist <laughs> just says, maybe, eh. You know, you had the courage to do that. And I also want to highlight how incredible that was because not only did you have the courage to do that, but in that moment, I think that you taught yourself something. And something that very often in, in our culture, we don't trust our bodies. We don't trust ourselves and we don't trust our bodies. You were having anxiety around thinking that you just need to get over it because you were nervous when the reality was your body was screaming at you that you were making the wrong decision. How do yeah, you... Learned, I've, I've since learned to read my anxiety. You know, like I, I view... Anxiety can sometimes be crippling and that's not fun to... I live with anxiety every day. I don't suffer from it. I change my mindset around it because it right. is just part of my brain chemistry. But it gives me a kind of superpower now because I have learned to read it and I am better able to read situations and how I feel about them. And I think that's a gift sometimes. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's something not right about this, you know? Yes, that's exactly right. And I think that we're taught not to trust ourselves. We're not to trust our gut instinct. We're not to trust what's happening in our body. So we completely ignore it. But if we did, like you said, if you were, if you learned to read your anxiety, read your depression. I, I heard something beautiful the other day that was um, the opposite of depressed is expressed. And, you know, it, it's a new concept to me. I've never heard that, that term before. And I was like, that's actually pretty cool. Like the opposite of depression is expression. If we can listen to what wants to get out of us in that time, then we can take better action. And it's not necessarily that it's as simple as that. I get that it's not. It's a lot more complicated and there's a lot more um, le levels to living with depression and anxiety. But, yeah, coming, coming to that place where you're courageous enough to stand on your own two feet, to go against society, how... You know, how's that, how's that journey been since for you in, in those years where you went overseas, where you, you know, moved beyond the norms of what was expected for you? How's it been like facing the world when they still expect that of you? It's been interesting. I think when I went overseas and I started to change, I started to change, I started to get a, bit, a lot more into feminism um, as a movement and then body positivity. I think they come hand in hand. Um, and I became a, a much more of a loud advocate for this part of the LGBTQIA plus community that I am not a part of and more of an advocate for people of colour and people with disabilities. Um, I, when I was overseas doing all of these things, people were just like, oh, like, she's on a self-exploration journey. You know, she's, she's just like finding her truth, it's fine. And then when I came back and I still held those views and I was still as loud as I was, I lost a lot of friends. Yeah, I bet you did. Um, because they were like, you're not the same person. 
than that you were. Um, That's the point. Well. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I also moved suburbs, so I moved from the south side to the north side. And once you cross that river, you know, you need a passport to get across it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so my life changed, my social circle changed. I think I had two friends that I've, I still have that I've had in the last um, five plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, like, people just don't talk to me because I'm just this radical feminist. And that's absolutely fine. It hurt a lot. Um, but I did come to the realization later after I'd done a bit of work and healing I think that's one of the things that that a lot of people struggle with, that as we become more ourselves, as we become more in our truth, people fade away. And, you know, one of the biggest reminders I give to people and something that dropped in for myself a few years ago is that I prefer to be hated for who I am than loved for who I am not. Because, you know, when when we're living... uh, Not not a lie... Saying living a lie is a pretty extreme thing, but I found for myself that I was. I was just living what other people expected me to, how to be. I kept my mouth shut on important topics. When my friends would say, oh, she's on a soapbox again, I would, I would, I would shrink. But what I've realised is that the soapbox is, is where my power is. That, and as I'm similar for you, it's like, that's where your strength is. That's who you are. That's what you're here to do. I think when you have the ability to stand on a soapbox and the confidence to do so. I like most of the time I feel not obligated, but I, I feel a sense of responsibility to do it, especially now I do have platforms the size that I have. Yeah. Um, because people do listen to me and I do have access to resources to be able to educate people a bit more. It's not always easy, especially with people like my family. Yeah. Um, it is hard to draw those lines. Um, but they're getting better and I'm becoming more confident. So God help them. I love that. How do you deal with that? Because, again, yeah, our journeys are ridiculously mirrored. Um, you know, I've, I've had family members who who definitely don't want, they, they don't follow me on social, and I get that because, to me, it's my work rather than my social, if that makes sense. I think that you probably resonate with that. Um, they, don't, they don't follow me because they don't want to see me half naked parading around on the internet, and sometimes they feel like I'm a bad influence, right? Um, <laughs> you're sure that you have something similar. How have you how have you dealt with that changing in not only your your friendships but your family relationships? I've always been the rainbow shape in my family, um, and I have a few older relatives. Most of them have passed on now. Though even when I was younger, I was always a bit different. But my mom was always a bit different too, so it wasn't too bad. Um, the the relationship I focused on maintaining and growing the most was my relationship with my mom because um, we had a lot of issues growing up and then I went to therapy and we had some deep chats. And my mom, I'm grateful, my mom also did the work. Um, right. She's come through it as well. Our relationship has never been stronger because she has had a lot of, a lot of similar issues to me. And so she saw me doing my thing and it did take a bit of time for her to understand. But then um, 
she's my biggest cheerleader. She's like she's always been very proud of me, but now she understands what I'm doing and she's the first person to when I'm coming home or when I need to set set boundaries with my other members of my family, she's the first person to advocate for that. Um, and to be like, you know what, we don't talk about like diets anymore or we don't talk about Lacey's body, like that's just not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very lucky too when I came out, I didn't tell any of my family. I told my mom and she told everybody else because yep. um, I didn't want to have those conversations. Um, and then with the rest of my family, I have cousins that are about 10 to 15 years older than me and we're a small family. There's only there's six of us in that generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're a little bit older and they were raised very differently. My, my, um, two of my cousins were raised in country Tamworth. Um, and so... They're great. I love them, but they are quite different yep. to me. Um, and even the way the exposure they've had to different types of people, the way they speak um, is quite different. And same with my cousins who live on the lake. Their their parents were 20 years older than my mum. So it's a completely different generation. Mm. So we're all very different. I tend not to go home to Christmas, to Christmas a lot. Um, and that's because having them all in one space at once is a lot. Yeah. Deal with. Um, and I don't deal with that well. Um, but I do try to see them. I have been to town once to see my cousins, and I love going to see them. But I also end up being like doing some form of education. Yeah. Um, most recently, in my dad about um, trans people and um, like the appropriate pronouns and the way to refer to people, because I found my youngest second cousin being quite derogatory unknowingly. He didn't realize because nobody had ever told him. Yeah. Like, this is how you're supposed to refer to people with they, them pronouns, or if you're not sure how to refer to someone, this is a polite way to ask. Yeah. Um, and most recently, I had an argument with one of my cousins on Facebook of all places, which is not the kind of person that I am, but he managed to, I saw a post on a particularly fiery night, yeah. um, and I basically called him a racist on his feed, <laughs> which is not something I would usually do, but I was like, you know what, I've had enough. Um they're learning and growing and so am I and I'm hoping that I have more of an impact on my second cousins yep. and my nieces and nephews than on my older cousins and um, my brother and sister-in-law because they're the next generation and I think that they are um, going to change the world. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing, you know, people can only meet us as far as they've met themselves right, you know, to the depth of that. If people aren't doing their own work, it's okay, they're on their own journey. And I think that, you know, for myself, I've had to, similar to you, we come to terms with where they're at and we accept them for where they're at. If we're expecting them to accept us where where we're at in our evolution, then, you know, to give the the same in return. Not everybody is going to feel the same way about the world as each other. And I think that you know, especially what's happening right now in the world is very polarizing to come to a place where we can go, you know what, everybody has their right to be sovereign. And what that means is that we can call out racism and, and, and they're well within their rights to continue to do that. <laughs> you are well within your rights. To I'm, I'm very fortunate that my family, although we don't see eye to eye, they are very respectful. And I do have hard lines with people around, say like my dad, do I go um, but my cousins, although we don't agree, they'll listen to my opinion and they'll give theirs back and then we move on. You know, like it's not, if, if I am quite comfortable setting firm boundaries with people, which I think is really necessary when you can 
because if it is triggering to you, you have every right to step away from that situation. Um, but I, as of yet, have not had to do that with my family because all in all, they're pretty great. That is phenomenal. And, it, and it's such a wonderful, uh, you know, kind of indicator of, of where you're at, of where they're at, of where the world's at as well, because we, we are becoming more and more accepting of one another and one another's differences and going, yeah, just because... Just because people didn't use they, them pronouns when you were growing up doesn't mean that we can't now. Words change the meaning of all the time. You know, gay used to mean happy. It doesn't mean that anymore. We we change language and the world changes all the time. You know, I, I grew up in a world without the internet and that seems really bizarre and for any people in their 20s you might think that's the strangest thing in the world but I'm I'm not even 40 yet and I grew up in the world without internet I didn't have a mobile phone in order to catch up with friends you organize it and everybody just met at the time and if somebody didn't show up you just assumed that you'd catch them at school on Monday you didn't know so the I, world changes I have, I have this week been going through um photos I read an article that's being published next week about being 14 and I had to call my mum last night and be like, mum, why aren't there any photos of me? Like, I can't find photos of me as a teenager. And, um, like, the earliest ones I have online are when I was 18, because that's when we got Facebook. Um, and we only got the internet when I was 17. Yeah. And my mum was like, there were no photos because, A, like, we didn't have a digital camera. We couldn't afford one. Um, and there were no smartphones, obviously. But also... Um, Turns out I went through and got all of the ones that I did have and I cut them up because I didn't like the way I looked and so I threw them all out. Um, but we didn't, I had to email the editor who was doing this piece and she's a lot younger than me and I was like, I'm really sorry, but I don't have photos of this time in my life because we didn't have a digital camera. So, you know, things have changed a lot. Yeah, haven't, haven't they ever? Haven't they ever? I, you know, come back to, you know, with your family there in terms of your, um, well, actually, first of all, Where's the article? Where, 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 where can we read it when it gets published? Where can we, where can we find it? So the article that I wrote yeah, it was this week is um, seven messages that I would send to my 14-year-old self about my body. Um, and it will be on Mamma Mia sometime this week, but they can find, people can find it on my socials. I always repost them in my group. Um, and this one, I, 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 I delved deep. I just got my lashes done and I was crying and I was like, no, I'm going to ruin my lashes. Because um, I don't, I, I write the odd emotional piece, but like this one, like it, it required taking off a lot of band-aids and like getting real into my feelings. Um, but I, I hope it resonates with people. Certainly look forward to, to reading that on your socials at Lacey Grade, at Lacey Jade Christie, uh, and, and certainly on Mamma Mia as well. I think that that's, it, it's such a powerful thing when we can connect with our emotions. I know for myself, I've written a book. It's called Perfectly Imperfect. comes out in November. And, um, and while writing that book about my journey, about my story to coming into self-love and all the tools and techniques that I've used, there are so many moments when even like I, I read them now and I've, I've written it and read it three times, four times, and it still brings me to tears. What, you know, what, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing, what are, what are maybe one or two things that you did that you did want to say to your younger self? Um, I think the the main take-home message was that forgiveness is really important nice. um, because we, especially at that time of your life, like there's a lot going on, like kids with me, my parents splitting up, um, 
there was a lot happening in my little 14-year-old head and in my 14-year-old body. Um, but I spent so long being angry and trying to control everything, and that's just outside of your capability. So um, to being able to forgive and move on is, is vital, I think, to good mental health. Yeah, I love that. Oh, I love that. I think that making peace with our younger selves, you know, make, making peace and going, hey, like I... Uh, similarly looked at photos from myself and luckily I, I you know for me as myself um, it was actually pre-digital cameras but I had a, a camera with film in it and I was obsessed as a 14 15 year old I was obsessed with taking photos of myself and I almost think Lacey I'm going to say this I almost think that I invented the selfie I like I gotta say I was 14 and there are so many photos of me with half of my half of my face in it because there was no it was not a digital camera so there was no screen I couldn't I couldn't see I had to wait I had to take the roll that only had 24 photos on it to the to the supermarket <laughs> and and get it developed and then I would see whether or not I got the camera right on the spot I digress I have you know a lot of photos of me as uh, in that in that time and I loved them and I always loved getting my photo taken um, and taking my photo, but there's so much pain associated with that time in my life. There was so much rejection of myself, so much, so much. I can look in the photos and I look at pictures of myself and I'm like, I can see the fake smile. I can see the pain that she's hiding in that, you know, so forgiveness is, is so important. Do, is it a matter of forgiving her or does she forgive you as well? Like what's the, where do you dance with that? I think um, part of the forgiveness was forgiving um, the, mostly the women in my life at that time, not the girls, the women, because as much as my, I love my mom and my aunts and the people in my life, um, they were products of their environment. And so the effect and the impact that they had on me growing up watching them and the way they dealt with their bodies had a huge impact on me and the way I saw mine. So forgiving them because it wasn't their fault. It was the 90s. Um, but then also um, me forgiving her because similarly she didn't know what she was doing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we are one in the same. So um, I think that at the end of this article, I actually said if I, would go, if I could go back in time, would I and would I change anything? And I said no um, because as much as it sucked and as much as like a lot it was, problematic and my mental health wasn't great then I wouldn't be the person that I am now and I wouldn't be able to help other people all be as happy and stable as I am in my life at the moment and I think that's good. Yeah oh I, I I love that insight Lacey I love the insight of like would we go back and change it because that presupposes that we can avoid pain that in life we can undo the pain so yeah you might know stuff about it now and you might be able to stop her from going down that path but she'd just choose another path that was painful right like we can't we can't stop we can't avoid pain there's we we are an evolution i i think that we can stop suffering um by forgiving ourselves by going and and treating our mental health and by doing that but pain is inevitable it's part of life we will lose friends we will lose loved ones um there will be grief there will be trauma shit happens is what I'm saying. We don't have to suffer in it any, anymore. Um, yeah, I, I don't like to view pain or, like, bad things happening in your life as a bad thing either because yeah. those things make you more resilient 
And being resilient is a great um, character trait because resilience enables you to be able to work through those things and to be able to get back up at the end of the day. So um, I don't think that, I think that people who have lived a life that is majority like sunshine and rainbows probably don't have the same kind of resilience that people who have been through it have. And I think that like there's a lot to be said to being the fat kid or the ugly kid or the poor kid at school because it makes us better people and we're, we're more resilient as adults and we have much better personality. Oh gosh, it's so true. I think that there is something to be said. I, I remember working in sales many years ago and it was a warm conversation and I said, you know, hey, ha- how are you? And they said, I've had the worst day ever. I, you know, my world has just collapsed. And I was, and my instant thought was about all the days that my my worst days and they're bad. Like when I think about my worst days, they're, they're really bad. And I, and I went into empathy mode and I said, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, is everybody safe? And he goes, yeah, yeah, everybody's safe. But I just stood in line for the last four hours waiting for the new iPad. And as when I walked out, I tripped and I dropped it. It's and look, I get it, right? I get that that's, that's a shitty thing to happen. Like, damn it. Um, when we have reference points of things being so bad when when we drop our iPad, it's like it's not to take away from the pain of that person's experience, not at all, um, but but the world is probably going to chew you up and spit you out because because yeah. happen eventually. If you live long enough, everybody around you is going to die. If you live long enough, you're going to experience crappy things in your world and and although I don't wish pain upon everybody anybody I I'm with you I think that that the hardest times in my life have been the most enriching for my character and the most enriching for my being yeah I I I'm a surgical nurse it's how I make most of my money and how I support being able to do what I do um, and it's a very humbling reminder that, like, life could be a lot worse because the things that I think people go through and have been through, um, it really gives you perspective. Yes. Yeah, and it all can be taken away in a fraction. You know, we... Yes. I, I can't take away the fact that, you know, being fat-shamed my whole life didn't impact me or, be, as you say, being the fat kid or being bullied or bullying myself for that matter, which I did a lot more than any other bully ever did. Um, not taking away from that, but also realising that that all of a sudden everything can change. And I'm hoping that through what's happened in the world right now that people are beginning to realise that, that we need to be grateful for what we have. We need to look at what is here in the moment because sometimes you don't get a second chance. Sometimes you go into a surgery and you don't come out of it. Yeah, I actually, we so we went into lockdown last night in Melbourne, so we're in seven-day lockdown, um, and I find my social media right now is to be a really negative place, like seeing other people's feeds, and so last night I was like, let's focus on what we're grateful for, because I'd had a great day at work, and I was grateful for that, um, was to come home with a smile on my face, and so I opened um, a question box on my Instagram stories, and the things that people were grateful for, like, some people were just grateful that they'd had their second vaccine, some people were grateful for their children, some people were grateful for me, <laughs> some people were grateful just to be able to have some comfort food and a nice glass of wine, and it was really lovely to have that flush, like, influx of positivity into my feed, and to share those on my stories tonight, because um, it was just, like, it made me smile and made my day better. 
and everybody else's as well. Like and, and, well, yeah, everybody else's. Yeah, everybody who, who was sharing their gratitude and also all the people who were just watching because we know that in social most people are just watching. They're not necessarily commenting and, and engaging. Um, those people as well. I, there's, there's such power in in being grateful. I don't think it means that, again, that, we, that we're not experiencing our pain. But what it does do, even biochemically, gratitude over, overrides the chemical response that we have to stress. And there's a, there's a technique that I often, when my clients are particularly in a, in, a, in a, they come to me and I can feel them really tense. I'm like, sweet, we're doing 90 seconds of the gratitude game. And they're like, what's the gratitude game? And I said, cool. So I'm going to set a timer and for 90 seconds. You're just going to rattle off as quickly as you can, as many things as you can to be grateful for. And they don't have to be big things. I'm grateful for my skin for holding my bones in. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for my eyes to be able to see. I'm grateful for the internet. I'm grateful for the roof to hold my house up. You know, we can, there's so much we can be grateful for if we stop to look around. I try to do that every day. I saw, a, I was at a conference once. I think his name is Stu from the Resilience Project spoke. Yep. Um, and he talks about gratitude a lot and how it makes you more resilient. And so whenever I do the same, whenever I'm feeling low or down, I give myself a little minute to feel those feelings. And then I'm like, cool, we have so much to be grateful for. Like life is, life is okay. Yeah. You, you were talking before about, when we talk about the, um, about families and it kind of, you know, leads in from, from gratitude there a little bit in the sense that like you're on social media, you spend a lot of time on social media and it can be quite like the, it, again, it's polarizing. It can be a really positive, uplifting, amazing place. And I find that TikTok, for the most part, in my experience, has been quite uh, enriching. Um, of course, you are always going to get haters. There are always trolls. There are always bullies. And particularly as a as a plus size woman who who has a soapbox, there are a lot of people, a very specific niche of people, usually that um, that want to bring down beautiful fat babes <laughs> who have an opinion. How do you deal with the haters and the trolls and the bullies? Oh, my God. You know, I love TikTok. TikTok is great. It has destroyed my attention span. Um, but people are very honest on TikTok, whereas I find um, on Instagram, because your feed is more curated and people don't rely on an FYP type of setup, um, it's more community-based. So I don't get it. Instagram and TikTok, but everyone on TikTok has an opinion. Um, so I spend a lot of time blocking and deleting. I, that's just my advice straight away. Block and delete. I don't care. I don't. I, I used to give people who had a very a, a difference of opinion, um, an opinion different to mine, a lot of time and energy. Um, and when they do come into my inbox with um, like an educated or like an open-minded want to discussion. And sometimes if I'm in the right set space, I will participate in that because I love a good difference of opinion yeah. um, when it comes with an open mind. You know, let's have a discussion about this. Like let's enrich each other's lives because it's only through hearing another person's perspective um, does your own perspective get brought in. But if people are just coming into my DMs or leaving hateful comments and they get absolutely blocked and deleted, if someone's a little bit... Um, like right of center or like they're just not getting it I'll give them a couple of like couple of comments to say because usually my followers they jump in there and they're like hey you missed the point or like this isn't the thing like I have a little army and I love them um but then if they're disrespectful then they get deleted straight away 
because I just, I, I love my community and I want to protect them. So I do that as well. Um, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article for The Guardian UK about Avengers Endgame and their portrayal of Thor. Thor in that movie has, he suffers from PTSD from being in a war. Um, he gets fat and he's made a joke. My issue is not with the fact that he gets fat. My issue is, like, there are scenes set up deliberately and camera angles set up deliberately to make him a punchline. And that made, for the movie, that made me uncomfortable. So I wrote an opinion piece for The Guardian, which is why I'm a professional opinion haver. Um, and I got trolled so badly for that. Like, men more fragile than going after their favourite comic book characters. You know, like fictional people and just movie. And I had one opinion that was published on a very big platform, and I got death threats and rape threats and people making YouTube videos about me. Their comment sections were horrible, and there are whole Reddit threads about me and how disgusting I am. And I, I didn't know all of that at the time. I just knew what was coming into my inbox because I categorically try not to read the comment section and I try not to Google myself um, because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Yeah, and I, I took a week off work because I was just like in the worst mental headspace. And one of my friends sent me Brene Brown's Netflix special. Uh, she like she's the best. I love her. <laughs> Shout out to Brene Brown. I had heard of her, but I hadn't really consumed any of her content before. And that Netflix special changed my life. Yeah. I watch it regularly, at least once every six months, to remind myself that, like, haters ain't shit, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, like, my favorite, my favorite line from that whole thing is, like, with regards to trolls, is if, if the person's not standing in the arena with you, then you don't need to listen to them, you shouldn't, because they're not putting in the same amount of effort as you. Yeah. They're not in the same area. So yeah. I will take constructive criticism from people who know what they're talking about um, and people who have, you know, maybe the odd suggestion this could be triggering or whatever, but I'm not taking in or using any energy, not spending it on someone who is sitting behind a laptop and just out to make people feel bad about themselves. Oh. It's not my thing and I have better things to be doing with my time. Yes. Um, so Brene Brown is just absolutely life-changing and she's really important too when it comes to empathy yeah. um, and how... She, she really taught me how to employ good boundaries and talk about my boundaries and why they're necessary. And that's really important also because the most empathetic people are those with strong boundaries because then you're not using all of your energy on trying to keep other people up. Yeah, or defending yourself too, right? Like that's the thing. Very often what can happen is that my little ego takes over, right? My ego takes over and I want to defend because that person's sitting there going, you know, but... Stop promoting obesity. You're being unhealthy, and I'm. And, and then my little ego's like, I'm. I'm super healthy. <laughs> you know, my ego wants to defend it, and it's like, stop it, Luna. Like, no. If if I, and I, I love what you've what you've said there about about Brene Brown. That if you're not in the arena, getting your face dirty, then then I don't value your opinion. And yeah, if you want to come to me and, and yeah, you go. I, I'm an Aries, so I am queen of ego. I have a massive ego, yeah. and it takes a lot of energy for me to check my ego. Um, and I'm aware of it. I have done a lot of work around it, but there are some.
sometimes where you'll see me do like a clapback video um, because I am a fiery person and I want to defend myself. But most of the time I try to, instead of just clapping back and going on a rant, I look at the comments or um, the videos and see what can I do or what can I say to educate people. And I don't really think about that message getting out to the person who left the comment because I usually block and delete them straight away. But I clap back, clap back in a way that allows me to educate people who might be following me, who might also be like, oh, you know, like I kind of agree with them. Um, so I chose to defend my, I choose to defend myself, but redirect my energy in a way that's more constructive rather than me just going hell for leather and tearing someone to pieces because it's not help, like it's not helpful to anyone, especially not. And it doesn't, me. Like it that doesn't kind of get us anywhere, right? Like, you're never no. going to change that person's mind. They're not. They've, they've decided, they've, they've made the judgment, and, and I agree with you very often when I clap back, it is to, it is to empower other people. It's, it's to empower my audience to have that experience of, like, this is how you can approach it. This is what you can learn about this. This is what, you know, and I, I, I love that you do that. I, I remember an experience not too long ago, and just, just coming back to like being in the arena and that I don't pay attention to spectators. It's a, it's, it's quite an uh, innocuous example, but I, we were just throwing a, uh, a bottle opener into a bag at a picnic, right? We were just at a picnic throwing this thing and people around me, a couple of my mates, they got it in the first or second go. And I was like, Oh, I want to go. And I'm getting, and I, and I miss, and I miss, and I miss, and I miss, and everybody's watching, right? Everybody's watching. And there's the two guys with me and myself trying to get it in. And then friends of mine, other friends of mine start giving me shit about it. They're like, oh, well, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? And they, they're giving me advice, right? They're giving me advice and giving me shit and putting me down for not being able to get it in. And I just paused and I looked at them dead in the eye and I said, I only take advice from people who are willing to get in the arena. As, you're expect as you are a spectator, I don't honour your opinion. And they just kind of looked at me. I was like... Get in the arena, man. Like, have, give it a go. Like, and the funny thing was the two guys that were doing it with me, they did nothing but encourage me. They were encouraging yeah. me and they were with me and they were supporting me. And it was something so simple about just throwing a thing into a bag. It was, it was such, like, just not a big deal. But I think it's a micro example of, of a bigger piece. Because if people aren't there, like if, if someone's not in the arena of being in the social media field, putting themselves out there, most of the time my trolls and haters have four followers and have no videos and a profile that's completely anonymous. So it's like you're not in the game, man. You're not in the game. And if you're not in the game, I, I'm not playing with you. I'll play with people who are in here and got some skin. And if you don't, you're out. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> feel like we're on the same page there. Oh, goodness. Um, I feel like there's something, there was a question that came through that is something that I'd really like to know how you, how you kind of marry the two. So, so you are a fashion activist. You know, you love, you're fanatic. You love fashion. You love beauty. They're two industries that are typically quite discriminatory against people in fat bodies. Yeah, so typically fashion is is more led towards thinner bodies and certainly beauty about being smaller, about changing yourself, etc. I love the way that you marry the two, um, two together, your body positivity and your self-love work and and your fashion and beauty. How, how do you feel about that amal amalgamation, knowing that you're kind of there supporting fashion and beauty um, 
which is wonderful and your expression is amazing and being body positive at the same time. How do they sit with you? Sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. Um, especially because I do work as a model and I have been um, at shoots where I'm very clearly the token fat person. Um, and, you know, I've been on photo shoots where, like, one, one photo shoot springs to mind specifically where all of the girls are given these amazing body con dresses or, like, floor-length gowns. And I was given this kind of wrap dress that was um, very baggy. And, like, I equate it to kind of like a circus tent. I didn't like it. It didn't make me feel comfortable, but it was the only thing they had in my size. Um, And so, I don't know, like, I am trying to change the fashion industry through body positivity. So every time there is a fashion week or a diversity inclusivity campaign that is not actually diverse or inclusive, I will call it out and people like me call them out to be like, you know what, you're putting these labels on things, but that's not it. You missed smart completely. Yeah. But we are lucky that some brands are getting better at that and bigger brands too, brands like ASOS and Zuhu are using more diverse models, but then more importantly, our smaller brands, and especially like here in Australia, we have some amazing small brands that are making clothes up to a size 20. Um, and that gives you so many more options. And they're at a similar price point to, say, Forever New Curb or City Stick, which I realize is unrealistic for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's nice to have those options. And then those brands really, they, they really appreciate and they understand the need for size inclusivity, but then also diversity in their, their influences that they work with. I think there are two things to remember. Um, is that I see a lot of brands being called out, like especially smaller brands, being called out for not using actual fat models in their advertising campaigns. And some people do, um, but I get messages all the time from people being like, why don't you call out this brand for not using fat models and why don't you do that? But they work with fat influencers. And so while I think that it is important to have diversity and inclusivity in your marketing, influencing is a form of marketing. Yeah. So yes, put fat models in your um, fat model on your website but they have fat influences in their feed um, and so I might not be getting booked for a lot of photo shoots I get paid and I get to collaborate with a lot of brands and so it is doing the same if not more because I'm able to do hauls and honest reviews to, and instead of just being a still image on a website I'm able to be like look it clings me here or like it digs in there or like it sits on my curves perfectly and it's more relatable mm-hmm. uh, which is the power of the influencer you know like my platform isn't huge it's it's a good size but it's not enormous which means that I am more relatable I'm able to reach people more one-on-one time so that I can answer questions that they have yeah. and influencing is a form of marketing so using fat influencers is they are being more diverse and inclusive because they understand that representation matters. They might not be hitting it on every mark, but they're hitting it on some marks. The other thing is that I'm very aware that I have what's called pretty privilege. So while I am in a fat body, my face, not to be narcissistic, but I am pretty. And so that also opens a lot of doors. It's important to have that understanding that I get a lot of people message me and say, you know, like I can't, do what you do because my face doesn't look like yours. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate what they mean. Um, so I, I do get photo shoots and 
um, collaborations and people do work with me because of the way I look. So that's how the beauty side comes into it too. I'm also a professionally trained makeup artist. Mm -hmm. um, I did that years ago. So I have an understanding of how beauty works. So I try to marry all of those things together. And even when I'm doing my beauty reviews um, for platforms like Mamma Mia, you'll see me like just slide in there that little bit of body positivity or yes. that little bit of like, you don't have to wear makeup, but if you do want to wear makeup or you don't have to shave, yeah. um, like there's nothing wrong with hair, but if you want to deal with hair, like this is how we do it. Because um, it's important to like not continue that anti-feminist trope of like this is how we have to look. You have to get rid of your body hair. You have to be thin. Mm -hmm. You don't. So I, up, I, I think sometimes I uphold beauty standards, but I also try to break them down from the inside out. And I, I, I so love that about you, you know, watch, watching you on your, on your TikTok as well as your Instagram. There are times when I see you completely dolled up, you know, with your, your, your full face of makeup, your hair's done, you're like you've got this amazing outfit on. And then there are other times when you're completely blank faced um, in, 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 you know, in your sweats, like, and I see you on and then everything in between. And I think that showing all sides of that, that, that it's expression, it, makeup I don't particularly wear a lot of it um because it makes me itchy and I don't like it that and and that's okay you know I don't not wear makeup because I'm trying to defend something I, I often talk about um sometimes my legs and armpits are hairy and sometimes they're not I remember being at a festival once uh, doing a presentation and I in in that talk I actually pretty well stripped down to nude and and it's it's a piece that I do and someone said to me afterwards you're so body positive why did you remove your your armpit hair and I said because I didn't feel like having it you know it's a, such a straightforward thing I think that that's what we really need to understand that two opposing truths can exist at the same time and both be true you know, you can you can wear makeup and express yourself and, you know, does, does body positivity mean that you don't dye your hair or wear nice clothes or look after yourself physically? No, of course it doesn't. It, what it means is that we can express ourselves however the hell we want to, not based on someone else's standards. I had this internal argument a couple of months ago because I had a, a cosmetologist reach out to me and ask me if I'd be interested in fillers and Botox, and I'm not at that point yet, but I... I had a, a, like a lot of thinking about my external presentation and the things that I do to change that and whether that means that I'm not body positive or not because my eyebrows are tattooed, my eyelashes are fake um, and, you know, and I, I will think about Botox at some point in my life and then I was like, does that mean that I'm not body positive? And I was like, absolutely not because I'm fighting for freedom to be able to do what you want not and not have to conform to societal beauty standards. So if I want to get fillers, then I do. I wear eyelashes to make myself feel good because I like to like I like to look like this, and it doesn't require any effort in the morning. So I don't put makeup on. Um, but then, like you said, I do get very dolled up to go out sometimes, and I love that too. You know, it's about yeah. being able to show all sides of yourself and to be able to celebrate that. The other thing that I think a lot of people struggle with with regards to body positivity and fashion is that there's this trope that, like, fat people, unless we put in a lot of effort, we're, like, really lazy. You know, like, you see those things all the time. There's, like, this is a fashion trend and it's, like, a skinny white girl in jeans and a T-shirt. Um, 
and then that fat person next to them and they're like, oh, they're such a slob. They haven't put any effort in. They're just wearing yes. things and a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, it's hard to battle sometimes. And I, particularly because I, I love, love clothes and I love fashion, I have a, a shopping problem because there weren't any options for me growing up. Yeah. So now I'm an adult and there are options and I'm like, give me everything. Yeah. Um, so... So um, I, that's part of the reason why I show myself at all stages because just because, like, today I'm in this, I got this hoodie jumper. Like yep. It comes down just above my knees, and I have not taken it off in two days. Um, and this is me in my comfy state, and that's, that's absolutely fine. Like, I'm not lazy. I'm comfy. There's a difference. Uh-huh. And even if you are lazy, then there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you don't have to look like a million bucks just to go to the shop. Yeah, and 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 that you know, one one of my most popular videos on TikToks is is where I share about you're not an ornament. You don't exist to be attractive. That's not why we exist. And yes, if we want to, if we want to express ourselves, if we want to doll ourselves up, so to speak, um, or express ourselves through beautiful clothes, because I'm with you as a kid, I couldn't even get shoes um, that fit me, let alone any nice clothes. What size do you wear? Um, I'm an eleven. Me too. No, you got it. Of course it is. So, yeah, I mean, I remember being a kid and going to, I grew up in Canberra and every single, we went to every single shoe shop in in all of the malls in the whole of the city. And there was not one pair of shoes that was, it was for my year six graduation. So what was I, like 11, 12? And I couldn't find a pair of shoes that was made for a young person. They were all like cumps and old people's shoes. And I was like, this is awful. And I just, that was my whole childhood experience of shopping. I, you know, for my years normal, my mum took me to an adult toy shop. I was 18 um, because I could not find nice shoes to get shoes. to And um, they sold they shoes to drag queens. Yes. Uh, they fit because they're made for men. Yep, and and that's perfect. Okay. Very often, even if there's the size in eleven, my my foot is actually quite wide, so I need a I need a, a wide shoe, not just a long shoe. Um, and you're right. Like when I was a kid, I didn't like clothing shops. I hated hated my friends would want to go shopping, and they were all small or you know the regular size. They were straight sized and. I hated it. I didn't even walk into a jean shop until I was 16 because I knew, I knew what it felt like walking in there. I was like, I don't belong here. I, I'm not accepted here. It's I'm not okay here. And for my whole life, I thought that I was wrong until I learned that the clothing was wrong. It was the clothing that didn't fit me, not that me didn't fit it. And I, I love what you're doing and I love the companies that you're supporting and the companies that are supporting us to go, we can wear beautiful frigging clothing and look amazing and feel amazing rather than just being in, in dowdy stuff all the time. It's taken me 30 years to find clothes that actually look good on my body because look good in inverted commas because yeah. I obviously we didn't have that experience growing up where we were like we had lots of options. But I am amazing at putting together another person's outfit because that's all I did through my teenage years because I'm the same. You would go and you wouldn't be able to try anything on. So I stood in the change room. So I'm like, no, you need this. Like, this would go better with that. So, like, I'm a great stylist. Um, so that has taken me a while to figure out my own personal style. Well, yeah, because very often if you've only got 
three items in an entire shop that you could possibly fit into, putting together an outfit compared to the person who can wear everything in the store, you're like the selection was significantly limited. So I can, uh, I love that now. I even love just, you know, you're like your, your, like your Kmart's and your big dubs and your targets. Um, they very often going up to, you know, 24, 25, 26, you know, I'm seeing them in much bigger sizes um, just for T-shirts, you know, just for pants. Like I don't have to walk in and go, okay, I can't wear pants here. Knowing full well as well that, you know, I'm small fat and I, I relate to what you're saying there, Lacey, with that, that like I don't have a fat face. And I've, I've heard this term as well that, you know, that, that having a fat face is really different to not having a fat face. Um, because in a photo, if you see me from this high up, I, I might not look particularly fat. So I then have an element of thin privilege because my face isn't looking that way. And, you know, so I, I, I relate to so much of what you share about that, about the privilege that comes with maybe looking pretty, the privilege that comes with having a smaller face. And I, I used to sit there and go, I'm, I was only 16 or 18. I'm like, I'm a 16 or 18. What are people doing that are a size 22, 24? what are they doing? I can't get clothes at a regular store. What are they doing? And I remember just thinking how much this needs to change. And it's so wonderful to see that it is. We're doing the thing. There are actually options, which is nice. Most of them are online. So you have to have an element of bravery in you. um, Because you can't go to in-store and try them on. But also I don't like trying clothes on in-store anymore. I much prefer to do it in the safety and comfort of my own home. Yeah, nice. And then you can just send it back, right? Like, you know, do, hey, how, do you, how do, you, do you do that? Do you measure yourself? Like, do you know your measurements and then that's how you buy clothes online? How, do you, how would people yeah, do that? Because sizing is bullshit and it varies from brand to brand. So we never go by the number of the tag. And one of the hardest things about this whole body positivity journey was learning to let go of the moral value around that number. Oh, nice. You know, I was always taught that, like, being a size 16 to 18, was, it was okay. You know, but being anything higher than a, an 18, like, that was bad. Yeah. Um, but it's not. And then, you know, like, you'll buy a size 20 from one brand and a size 20 from another brand, and they'll be completely different. Uh, so I always go by my measurements. Um, and that's really important because I started buying stuff from brands from overseas and their exchange policies. Always look at the exchange policies before you, or their refund policies before Goodness. you buy because, like, there's one brand that I just bought from and you have to pay for your shipping back and it's forty dollars. So, you know, I took a risk and the dress was pretty good. Uh, but even if it wasn't, I'd already decided that I would just sell it on um on Facebook or something because I'm yeah, nice. gonna spend the forty dollars to send it back. No way. Um but yeah, ditching that number on the tag and actually going by the measurements is really important, particularly when you're buying from third parties that resellers like ASOS, because they every brand, they have stock a, a number of brands. And I love that. If if you know anybody listening at home, please know, take the moral judgment off the number on your freaking tag. It doesn't matter. You know, I I have I have a, a singlet that I wear, which I found the most absurd thing, and I can see it's a size eight. It's ridiculous. I'm like a size eight. I know my body. That's madness. That it's a size eight, and then I have a pair of leggings that are a size twenty four. And I'm like, they both fit me. How on earth <laughs> does a size eight and a size 24 match? Whereas I, I have a quite an even body, right? It's not like I'm, um, I have an apple pear. I'm more of an hourglass. So it's like, 
that that doesn't make any sense. And so it's completely arbitrary. Everybody at home, please, please stop putting any kind of value on the number. Wear clothes that feel good. Wear clothes that fit you properly. For me, I kept trying to squeeze into smaller sizes and would feel miserable and uncomfortable the whole time. Just go up a size and feel amazing. Life is better than comfortable. Love that. Yes, be comfortable. Does it matter the number? Oh, I love it. I love it, love it. Lacey, it's been so phenomenal having a conversation with you here today. I know that, you know, everybody who, who watches and listens to this as well as where you share it is going to get so much value out of your story about what you do. If you do want to follow Lacey Jade, please go Lacey Jade Christie. Again, I will put it on the video here and I'll pop it in the detail bios in order to find Lacey on both TikTok and on Insta. On Insta, there's lots of beautiful photos of Lacey living life and amazing fat woman life. It's incredible. Actually, that just reminded me, before we move finish up, Lacey, a lot of people and myself included have felt quite uncomfortable about the word fat. How have you reclaimed it? Um, by repetition. <laughs> nice. I like it. Um, I think, I think it's, it's similar. So like, obviously the word fat has had a negative connotation to it and still does to so many people. And I actually have people message me and say, you really shouldn't use the word fat. It's a negative word. Yeah. Um, and they're fat people themselves. They're just like, it's such a negative word. And I'm like, yeah, but why? Why is it a negative word? It is about repetition um, because the first couple of times, even like the first million times, it still hurts, but it's about rewiring your brain and the more you say it and the more you're exposed to it in a, in a non-negative um, way, the more your brain gets used to hearing it. So if somebody else calls me fat um, that's outside of my social circle, then I do get defensive because mm -hmm. I usually assume that it's not coming from a positive light. Um, but if it comes from myself or other people who do the same kind of thing that I do, then it doesn't bother me at all because we, we're all fat babes. Um, but it's similar to using the word queer, you know, like I am a member of the LGBTQA plus community and I use the word queer all the time. Um, but it, it is about reclaiming that power because when you take the power away from the word, then it does mean that people can't hurt you with it as much. Yeah. Um, and that's really important. It's part of the healing process. Yeah, and I, I feel that. I feel like reclaiming the word fat is the same way as reclaiming sh um, slut, the same way as, as reclaiming queer. And, you know, for people of colour, the N-word for them have reclaimed that word because they, these are words that have been um, used to harm us and by us taking it back and not from a put-down point of view. You know, I remember being in high school and I used to bully myself so badly so nobody else would. Um that's different. <laughs> that's, that, that's completely different. This is about going, you know what? I can be fabulous, amazing, really attractive, successful and fat because fat has been deemed that I must be lazy, unsuccessful and un un unattractive. That's what it the connotation has come with. But you know what? No more. I'm all the amazing things and fat in the same way I'm tall, in the same way that I have green eyes. It doesn't. Yeah, fat, it's just it's a descriptor. And yep. with regards to the internally with the self, I always say to people, you know, you need to ask yourself when you're being so negative if you would speak to your best friend like that. Yeah. Um, and if you would, yeah. if you heard her say the same thing to your to herself that you're saying to yourself, what would you say back? Because you would never let another person speak to themselves the way that you speak to yourself. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. 
Um, and also, also um, fat and beautiful. Like I hate it when people say, you know, you're not fat, you're beautiful. And you're like, yeah, I can be both. It's okay. It's like, it's yeah. the description. I have fat. I am fat. It's fine. Yes. It's fine. And I am both of those things in the same yeah. way that I'm tall and beautiful, the same way that I am, um, you know, I, I think that it's not, it's not a paradox. Fat isn't the opposite to beautiful, whereas often used that way, whereas it's just a descriptor. I am beautiful and I am fat. Those two things can coexist and be true at the same time. Oh, I love it, my friend. I love it so much. Once again, you can catch Lacey Jade Christie at any of her platforms, TikTok and Instagram. Lacey, it's been amazing chatting to you today. I know that you mentioned before that you make most of your moolah through being a surgical nurse. Um, can people PayPal you? Can people for your content, is there a, a, a Patreon? How can people support you to keep doing your thing? They can. So I actually have a Buy Me A Coffee account. Uh, which is a great way of doing things, I think, um, because I don't—I honestly don't have the time to put into a Patreon as much as I would love to do something like that. But then, so buy me a coffee is a website, and you can find the link in the link tree in my bio on both of my um, and I have it set up as buy me a cocktail because that's the kind of person that I am. Um, but it's just like I think it's a five-dollar donation, or you can choose increments of how many cocktails you want to buy someone. Um, but it's just, it's so lovely. I get the occasional surprise message from people being like, you helped me find this dress last week. That's so nice. Thank you so much. Like, here's a little bit of reinforcement, which is really lovely and helps me, um, helps reinforce in my brain that my work is helping and that I am worthy. Because even even when it comes to setting amounts to charge brands that I work with, I really struggle with that. And I think we as women in general are told that, you know, we can't be greedy and asking for money is really inappropriate, but I work really hard. Um, and so influencers deserve to be paid for the work that they do. So if somebody wanted to support me, then they could do that. Or they can just send me a DM. I always love knowing that my work means something to people. Yeah. Um, it helps keep me going in those times where I do get a lot of hate. And I'm like, oh, I hate this all because I, I really love it. And then and then you get that, you know, it's like that, that one comment that says, oh, my God, you've changed my life. Or, oh, my God. I never saw it that way and 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 now and now I do. I'm gonna start loving myself. That those moments make all of all of it worth it as far as I'm concerned. And so please buy this beautiful babe a coffee or a cocktail. Send her some love, please, please. Because I think that what we as women particularly need to learn how to do is not necessarily, yes, asking for what we want or asking for what we need, but learning how to receive. And I think that if we start giving, we as women are really good at giving. What we're not so great at or what, where we can learn to do more is in receiving. So send some money to this babe so she can learn how to, uh, <laughs> how to receive even more. That's true for all of us. I appreciate that you're... I have a folder of all of those positive messages that people send me. I screenshot them and I save them because when you're having particularly like low mental health point or when you don't feel like going on, that really helps. So I do save all of the messages, the positive messages that I get because they, they make my life brighter. Love it. So if you cannot afford to give her a coffee, then go and make some beautiful comments on her socials. Support her, follow her, do all the things. She is an absolute legend. Thank you so much, Lacey J. Christie, for being here on the More Confidence with Learner Guide podcast. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.
Thank you for joining us on the More Confidence with Learner Guide podcast. For more information on my book, Perfectly Imperfect, that's coming out later this year, please head to my link tree in the bio. You can find out how to get VIP access, which is exclusive previews of the content, giveaways, and of course, coming on to my online launch party. If you have any inquiries about my one-on-one work, my group work, the Self-Love Awakening Collective, please, again, it's all in my bio. So I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thanks again to Lacey Jade Christie. And until next time, happy self-loving.